Well, thank you to all who are here, who are listening online for another in a series that we have titled Anothering. The premise behind the series is that no one should do people better than the people who are trying to follow Jesus. Jesus said, this is the way they will know us, by our love. He didn't tell us to try to leverage political power, influence wealth, or status. He said, your leverage is going to be love. Not even the highest form of human love, the golden rule of treating people like you want to be treated, but the platinum rule, treating people like Jesus has treated us. And this we are calling anothering, and it is not easy. So I heard a story about a man on a business trip with a coworker, and on the trip he could not help but notice how much the coworker communicated affection for his wife back home. Maybe it was sending her a text on a break or looking for a gift, sending her cards, calling her and saying how much he missed her. And the guy was convicted and thought, you know, I'm not doing those things for my wife like I used to do. Maybe I've been taking her for granted a bit and so He determined when he got home, he was going to do some things differently. He got off the plane and he went where he could change clothes and put on some really nice clothes to take her out. He bought flowers and a box of chocolates. He bought a nice romantic card. Instead of pulling in the alley in the garage, he pulled up in the front door to surprise her and he rang the doorbell. And she answered the door and there he was looking nice, holding chocolates and flowers. And she just burst into tears. And he said, honey, what's wrong? And she said, oh, it's only been the worst day of my life. Your son broke his arm at school. And on the way to pick him up, I had a fender bender. The washing machine has flooded the entire basement. Your mother calls. She's coming for two weeks. And now you come home drunk. Because when people have been difficult, it is hard not to see them with that label. To see people as problems instead of seeing people with problems. Anotherers see people with burdens, not as burdens. We're reminded of Jesus' words. The foundation of our series is John 13. A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Notice that Jesus just assumes that intentional discipleship is going to require intentional relationships. Jesus doesn't give anybody a self-study discipleship plan. You can't follow Jesus at home on the internet. You do it in community. Because Jesus, who has always lived in community, understands nobody can sustain the pursuit of the life he lived 
by themselves. Real following of Jesus is a team sport. In fact, anothering is the evidence of whether or not you're even on the team. And some of you need to hear that. 1 John 3.14 says, If we love our brothers and sisters, it proves that we have passed from death to life. But a person who has no Love is still dead. Baptism doesn't prove you've passed from death to life. You can be baptized and be dead. Going to church every week doesn't prove that you've passed from death to life. You can go to church every week and be dead. The evidence that the Holy Spirit has actually entered your life and begun the regeneration process is this. Do you love more and better than you did before Jesus? We've said this is what you learned the first day in class. This is discipleship 101. That you're just not the object of the love of God, but you are an agent of the love of God. That God didn't pour his love out on you so that you could store it up but so that you could be a conduit through which his love could be poured out on others. And anotherers get this. And that's why they try to get their bearing straight. And I'm referring to the verse that's going to be the launching pad of our teaching today. Galatians 6, verse 2. Bear one another's burdens... And so fulfill the law of Christ. What a powerful statement. You're telling me the whole law of Christ, everything God in Jesus wants of me, everything God in Jesus expects of me is summed up in one phrase. Bear one another's burdens. Or to put it another way, another's emphasize that each individual's right to bear harms. As sons and daughters of God, we're free. But as brothers and sisters in Christ, we are responsible. You see, our connection to Christ has somehow connected us to each other. In a way that doesn't seem like an obligation, but it's a privileged expectation. It's not that I have to bear your burdens. I get to. In this picture you're about to see, some of you will recognize Sir Edmund Hillary. The first man, it is said, to ascend Mount Everest. But very few people know the other man. His Sherpa guide, Tenzing Norgay, who also ascended the summit at the same time. In fact, when they were coming down, Hillary slipped. And if Norgay hadn't held the cable and pulled him back up, Hillary would have died. Tenzing Norgay Saved his life. But it's Hillary that became world famous. And someone later asked Norgay if he resented that. And he said no. And when asked why, he simply said, mountain climbers help each other. That's what they do. Do you know what anotherers do? 
bear burdens. That's what they do. And that's important because have you noticed that people can be rather inconvenient? (laughs) Now, I'm talking to myself right now. If you are one of those people that tends to see other people as disruptions, you're going to have a hard time excelling at anothering. Anotherers don't see people as problems. They see people with problems, and they respond. So, for example, I got an email recently from one of our sisters named Janice Slough. Dear Rick, for the past 12 days, I've been laid up with a back problem. The first six days were my worst. I was paralyzed with nerve pain, and also Fred was scheduled to take our grandson on a high school graduation trip to Washington, D.C., Fred made a call to Darla Dismuke, and our small group went into action. The ladies of this group took shifts and sat with me from 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. every day. They cooked, cleaned, took care of all of my 97-year-old mother's needs. And every time I would say thank you, they would reply, I am anothering. (laughs) I heard that word on a daily basis. Instead of asking, why me, Lord? Instead, I said, thanks for putting me in a position where these special ladies could practice anothering skills. So thank you for a timely sermon from the second best preacher I know. And she's right, by the way. Her son, Toby Slough, is pastor of Cross Timbers Church. And he takes my old sermons, and he really does preach them better than I did the first time. You see, anotherers bear burdens. That's just what we do. And what's a burden? A burden is anything that is oppressing your brother or sister's walk in Christ. It could be financial. It could be relational. It could be spiritual or emotional. If it's oppressing their walk in Christ, it's a burden. And the world says regarding burdens, hey, live and let live. Stay out of my business. The church exists to confront the world. The church exists to provide an alternative model to the way the world does things. And you are the church. The verse does not say leaders bear burdens. The verse does not say all of you with the gift of mercy bear burdens. Every one of you has the right to bear harms. Every one of you has been uniquely equipped by the Spirit of God to do this. And one way you've been equipped to bear burdens is through the experience of your own burdens. To illustrate, I need audience participation. So for the next few minutes, I'm going to mention several categories of people. If you fall in one of those, I want you to stand. If in the last three years... And your extended family or very, very close friend, you've dealt with the burden of death. Would you stand up right now? Wow. Thank you. Have a seat, please. In the last three years, in the same group, if you've gone through the burden of divorce, would you stand? Thank you. If in the last three years a very close friend or your extended family has dealt with cancer, would you please stand? 
Thank you. If in the last three years, you or your family has dealt with job loss, downsizing, financial stress, would you stand up, please? Wow. Thank you. If someone very close to you struggles with mental illness, would you stand up? Thank you. One more. If you have a child or a grandchild raised to love the Lord that lives now in rebellion and is not walking with the Lord, that's a very special kind of pain. Would you stand up? Okay, thank you. Now, let's all look at this verse. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. He comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. And so my friend Jonathan Stormont was recently in Nepal to learn more about a ministry that rescues girls from the slave trafficking industry. And one girl that had been rescued was trying to speak and the interpreter was trying to interpret for her and said she wants to share her weakness. Uh, I mean, her testimony. And Jonathan thought, what a powerful, interesting way to phrase it that is. That in fact, the Spirit of God often enables that part of your life that has been weak to become your testimony. That there is immense potential in this room right now to bear burdens. Waiting to be released in the power of the Holy Spirit. Because the church has got her bearing straight. What did that look like? Well, quickly. First, it means caring when people hurt. That's what anotherers do. I heard a story of a guy whose business was going poorly. He was bringing the pressure home with him. He was in a sullen mood. He would sit at the table in silence with his wife and five-year-old daughter. He'd get up and grab the paper and get in a chair and put up that paper like a wall, shutting out his family. This went on for several nights when finally that five-year-old girl went in there. She grabbed that paper from the top and just pushed it down, got up in his lap, put her arms around him, squeezed him hard. He said, honey, you're hugging me to death. She said, no, daddy, I'm hugging you to life. Now, this is what anotherers do. When life happens, we show up. We're not just faces in the crowd. We don't just love people, everybody abstractly, but we love somebody concretely. Anotherers love specific faces in specific places. Remember when we were talking about how we are members of one another, that we're like a body? 1 Corinthians 12, 25 says that God wanted the different parts of the body to care the same for each other. You see, 
The body deals with burdens different than an organization. An organization deals with people who are burdens like this. If you're on a sports team, if you're in a business and you've become a burden, they get rid of you. That's what organizations do to burdens, but not organisms. For the last several weeks, I've been suffering with plantar fasciitis in my right heel. At no point has the rest of my body said, well, just cut the right foot off and get rid of that burden. Because in the body of Christ, when one member suffers, we all care. I saw a powerful example of this recently. This picture of this little boy, some of you will recognize as Alex Wells. Last February, just after he turned three, Alex was diagnosed with leukemia. He has had over 100 chemo treatments, over a dozen radiation treatments. About three weeks ago, he had bone marrow transplant. He's currently in isolation at Cook's Hospital. These orange bracelets you see many of us wearing are reminding us for 100 days to pray for Alex. His marrow is beginning to grow, but we don't know yet. Is it good, leukemia-free marrow, or is it the old, cancer-ridden marrow? So we're praying. And so several weeks ago, I'm at the West Fort Worth campus when this need of Alex for blood was announced. And immediately, the Carter Blood Care Center was there, and over 70 people Our brothers and sisters in West Fort Worth campus just went out to that lobby and started giving blood for little Alex. Because in the body of Christ, we care for everyone and anyone who hurts. We've been taught in our culture at school, at the job, even at church, to always tell people when they ask, we're fine. But we're a people where it's okay to not be fine. Because anotherers take care of their wounded. Bearing means caring when people hurt. Secondly, it means daring to pursue holiness together. Anotherers will not allow each other to settle for a stagnant pursuit of the life of Jesus. So that verse we read a moment ago, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Look at the verse that was right in front of it that set it up. Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. If somebody is overcome by a sin, it is their burden. It is oppressing their walk in Christ. How do we respond? Not with judgment. They don't need a tribunal. Jesus has already paid for their sins. So they don't need condemnation. What they need is restoration. Some of you have heard me tell the story the first day I ever tried to snow ski. I made a huge tactical mistake. In the morning, I was on the bunny slopes and I was doing just fine. So after lunch, I said, I'm ready to conquer this mountain. I took the lift all the way to the top. I didn't know how much steeper it would be at the top of the mountain. I didn't factor in how tired my legs would get from falling so much. I'd ski 50 feet and fall, 30 feet and fall. By 4 o'clock, when you're supposed to be through, I'm still only halfway down this mountain. I told my friends, y'all just leave me here. 
tell my mother I loved her and find my frozen carcass in the morning. I can't go anymore. What made it worse was about every five minutes, some ski patrol would ski past, shout, time to be off the mountain. Foo, 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 foo. I didn't need someone to tell me it's time to be off the mountain. I desperately wanted to be off the mountain. I needed someone to come help me get where I needed to be. Some years later, I got a little better in my skiing skills and we're on a family vacation with my brother and his family. My niece, Jenna, who was about six years old at the time and a good little skier, was at the top of the mountain and suddenly she became petrified. Suddenly she just had absolutely no desire to ski. We found out later it's because she was sick. She was running a fever. So I skied down about 30 feet and said, Jana, can you ski to Uncle Rick? And she slowly made her way. And I skied about 30 more feet. Hey, can you come ski to Uncle Rick? And we got down the mountain together. Because nobody can sustain pursuit of the life of Jesus alone. Everybody needs a cheering section. Everybody needs a place where we can be real. Everyone needs a community where God-designed self-disclosure can take place. Everybody needs what Galatians, or excuse me, James 5 calls us to do, to confess our sins to each other, pray for each other so that we may be healed. And so that person that has spoken truth to you lately, and it may be it hurt, maybe they got inside your comfort zone. But if they were calling you closer to Christ, they are the person that loves you. Because it's not real fellowship if it's not helping us down the path of real discipleship. And so another words. Dare to pursue holiness together. If I love you, I won't let you get stuck in a place where you can't follow Jesus anymore. And one more thing. Bearing means sharing your blessings. This isn't complicated. Discipleship has always meant a radical redefinition of stewardship. Go read the first chapters of Acts. When people became Christians, immediately it affected their wallets. They started uh, selling fields and property, possessions, if someone else had a financial need. 1 John 3.18 says, You show love for others by truly helping them, not merely by talking about it. You see, God can only be seen when he turns or becomes flesh and blood. And so now God is revealing himself to the world by releasing into the world an army of anotherers who are not hoarding his love, but who are conduits now where his love and blessing to them is being poured out where it's needed. And so, this ministry Jonathan was in Nepal studying was called the Red Thread Movement. It's being uh, 
empowered by the activities of a lot of the students from Abilene Christian University. You see, Nepal is one of the primary places where young girls are deceived by the promise of a job or a marriage to leave the country and go into India where they then are forced into the sex slave industry. And so there are these people who have set themselves up at some of the borders to recognize and stop these girls. They wear purple dresses and they take these girls, tell them the truth of what's really going on. But now in a culture full of shame, these girls are broken and sometimes they can't go back to their families because of the shame culture they live in. And so they are taken to safe houses where they make these little red threads that some of us wear. We purchase them for a small amount and the money from the purchase of these red bracelets goes to train these girls in a tangible skill like being a beautician or uh, a seamstress. And while they're there, they learn about Christ. They give their lives to Christ. They go back to villages where they start businesses and they even start churches. I know some of you are thinking, can a woman plant a church? As long as it's in a different country, it's okay. And the love of Christ is made tangible because people with blessings are willing to share them. Now, I've got to be honest. Sometimes when you share the love of Christ, it gets thrown right back in your face. But you have not failed. It is never a failure to love somebody like Jesus would. It's only a failure when you hoard that love. And that is one burden I hope we never bear. So one more story. This happened at an emergency room at a hospital in North Carolina. There was a woman, a Vietnamese immigrant. She didn't speak English well yet. And as she sits in the emergency room waiting to be helped, she overhears a conversation between a nurse who speaks only English and a woman who speaks only Spanish. And communication is not happening. The nurse is not able to discern what the need is. And even though this Vietnamese woman speaks no Spanish and English poorly, she does understand broken English. And she was able to get the gist of what the woman who speaks Spanish was trying to communicate and to interpret to the nurse what the need was. And she did this so well, the hospital hired her to work in the emergency room as an interpreter of broken English. And I thought, how cool that there's a place you can go that speaks brokenness. And there is a place. And it's called the Church of Jesus Christ. A place where it's okay if you're not okay 
Because as we've already shown today by all who stood earlier, we're pretty fluent in broken. And so all of you that stood earlier, could I ask you to stand one more time? And as you stand, would the prayer teams begin to make their place down front, please? And I just want to say to you, if God has comforted you through that season of pain you went through, please don't hoard that comfort. But be an agent and look for places and times where you can comfort somebody else with the comfort you've received. And if you're still in that place where the pain is raw, don't be too proud to be comforted and to let someone else help bear your burden. We're going to sing a song and give you that chance. We're going to invite you to come and be prayed over by church leaders or maybe just by the person standing next to you. We're going to invite you to come and receive Christ and be baptized. Some have already done that this weekend and I'm sure some in this room need to do it today. I know this. It's okay if you're not okay. If you're at a place that speaks broken. Right now we're going to pray. We're going to share. And we're going to hug some of you back to life. Let's all stand and sing.